0: Way back in days of old, there was a hero told about a legend known as Galavant. That's right, everybody. Welcome back. It is episode three of our Galavant Revisit miniseries in honor of the great success we had with Schmigadoon last year. So this time around, we are covering, as we said, episode three, season one, episode three, which is titled, Ryan, what is that? What is our fun episode? Titled? It is
1: episode three is titled Two Balls.
0: That's right. Yes. And this was, uh, and, and this one was also directed by. What, what do we say, Chris? Chris Koch. Koch. Chris Koch. Koch. Thank you. I, I Thank you. assume. Chris Koch. Get in the comments if we're pronouncing your exactly. name exactly. Right? Exactly. Chris, you directed this, and Dan Fogelman, you um you wrote this episode as well. So <laughs> and it's good
1: because the two of them kind of handled these first three episodes and then yes. seemed to, for the next little while, release it to others other writers Correct. and directors, so they they got it on a firm footing for this little introduction to the series and then handed it off, which is kind of nice to be collaborative in that way.
0: Yes. And we should note that This episode in episode four aired the same evening. So it's like we're doing back to back episodes Mm -hmm. for this first season, which changes next season, I believe so. But yes, this episode, Ryan, what happens in this episode? Okay, so in this episode,
1: I guess the A plot is very much with Galavant, Izzy, and Sid, and they stop at a small village. That is actually where Sid grew up. Mm -hmm. And we meet his family, his adopted by a lovely Jewish couple Uh, and he was kind of the hometown hero of the small little village he lived in where everybody thought he was the greatest and then when he Mm -hmm. went off to ultimately become Galavant's squire he may have embellished his importance (laughs) in his letters back home so they all think that he's the amazing awesome best knight ever and that Galavant is actually his squire
0: so Ah. that Yes. Prince of the Popper story
1: here. Very much a Prince of the Popper kind of situation here. So he's kind of just asking his friends to go along with it because that's how they'll be able to, you know, spend the night and have shelter Mm -hmm. during their journey in this place. And he doesn't want to give up the ruse and disappoint Mm -hmm. his parents. So... Izzy <laughs> pretends to be his fiance, <laughs> and because she has said multiple times throughout this episode that in Valencia they do improvised feeder as their kind of main oh, pastime. Oh God, is it worth yes. saving, Ryan? <laughs> yes, is, is this town worth saving? But we know we love improv here. Of course, this is worth saving. But it's
0: under the uh, elder tree that they under the, the elder tree,
1: which was cut down and turned into toothpicks. We'll get to that. Yes, <laughs> um, but yeah, so. So Izzy is very excited to get to flex her improv muscles, and you know, kind of yes and to everything that <laughs> happens in this little little side quest that they do in this very Jewish town where you know we have all kinds of things about bar We have a stuff. rabbi in town. We we have a rabbi. Yeah, it's the I guess the shtetl of medieval Europe is where we're. You know, <laughs> it's where the onetekka. It's of, kind of, of, of like onetekka. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's kind of the main stuff. Galivant. I guess this isn't still sort of part of the A plot, but Gallivant, by needing to pose as the squire, kind of gets a bit of a. Humility lesson from Mm -hmm. the other squires when he hears how much they all hate the knights that they work for, and that makes him realize that oh, he is that jerk that they're singing about. That
0: a jackass in a can, a jackass
1: (laughs) in a can, as the big song they sing in this uh, in the spirit that we'll talk about in a minute. So it it makes him realize that okay, yeah, he needs to get off his high horse. Something that knights (laughs) never do. So Mm -hmm. he he kind of has a nice heart to heart with Sid about like I'll I'll keep playing this part and pretending, but you should be proud of who you are and he will try to be better as the knight to his squire Mm -hmm. and in my view this episode ends a bit anticlimactically or just rather abruptly with you know Sid just kind of off screen telling his parents the truth but we don't get to see their reaction to the news but Mm -hmm. whatever it's more about gallivant's arc learning to be a better person right. a better that's knight right. and yeah. sid's arc for learning to accept himself for who he is yes. so that's pretty nice that's sweet we right. get to see the knight get off his high horse uh, but then we have the real b plot the reason why this episode is called two balls is because well, <laughs> well a few reasons for yeah. this punny title but so the, the first ball is the one that sid's parents throw for him to celebrate his engagement uh, right. But then meanwhile, in the B-plot, again, we talked last week about how these episodes are very like thematically paired with what's going on in the A-plot mm-hmm. mirrors what's going on in the B-plot. So mm-hmm. Richard is, feels not necessarily bad, It's the wrong way of putting it, but he feels like he needs to do something nice for the Valencians to kind of just liven up the place <laughs> while he's waiting for Izzy to come back with Gallivant. Yes. So he decides that he's going to throw a party and it's going to be a, a hoot and a half and everyone's going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, the the reason why balls enter the equation is because there's this funny exchange with the town eunuch who has no <laughs> balls. And, yes. you know, he's the one who introduces the idea of we used to have balls as something yep. fun we did in this town. Yes. And they have a, a lot of fun at the expense mm-hmm. of that wordplay. And they do this yep. whole sequence of them all taking turns kicking at his non-existent testicles.
0: Yeah, it's such a great shot where you have um, Madalena and Richard on the Thrones talking and then between Mm -hmm. them in the background, slightly blurred, is the whole town that's now taken orders from Richard to just assault this poor eunuch who we should say is very much a parody of Varys from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. He's a bald, well-dressed eunuch who clearly has a place in court with the king and queen. Mm-hmm.
1: and yeah, just like so there's like a Game of it,
0: Thrones who gets burned by a dragon for, for doing something stupid mm-hmm. and saying something stupid this eunuch says something very stupid <laughs> at the party yes. and kills the vibe. So
1: it yeah so it, well, that's kind of how the episode at least yeah. this plot of the episode ends so we have this ball that isn't going very well Madalena mm-hmm. uh, and the Jester go off on their own to canoodle but they pretend yeah. that it's that she's helping him come up with a comedy act that yeah. obviously is not what it seems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Do not Richard come out of your chambers easily... until
0: you have your act worked out.
1: <laughs> yes, bang out some jokes. <laughs> the yeah. With the jester. <laughs> I'm sure they're banging something. Yeah. So, so yeah, so they get the party together, but they've, you know, they don't have any food because they burned all the crops on, during the well, invasion. Well, they're
0: vegetarian, as we yeah. find
1: out. The, yeah, the Valencias are vegetarians. and They refuse to eat meat, but Richard burned all their crops except for a small portion that he kept for himself. And out of solidarity with them, that if you can't have fresh produce, neither can I. He burns the rest of it, and then immediately realizes <laughs> I a short, this is a
0: problem. I, yeah, what so a bad. short-sighted
1: <laughs> thing he just did there. Uh, and yeah, he has the executioners start, I guess, a boy band to be the well, yeah, entertainment. yeah, because he killed
0: off all the, because he killed off all the actors, and, yes. um, and, um and the musicians because he didn't like their performance style of this kind of improv under the elder tree yes. stuff, which he cut down because the carrots were too stringy and getting caught in his teeth. So he needed toothpicks. Yes. And we
1: see him picking his teeth with a piece of the elder tree in that opening (laughs) scene. So very fun. But yeah. So the, the ball's a bit of a disaster. The Valencians are dancing because they don't want to get murdered, but they're clearly not into it. And when he realizes that he's like, the best way to save this party is by just, you know, the real thing you probably all want to do is just make fun of me, turn it into a bit of a roast mm-hmm. because That's I'm, right. I'm clearly the person who you all hate. So stop pretending yes. to have fun on my account and just be honest. Right. So the Valencians are all making fun of him and it's the party starting to turn around. They're all mm-hmm. having a good laugh. Richard is very much accepting the ridicule, but then the mm-hmm. eunuch puts his something in his mouth and says, yeah, you're such a fool. You don't even realize that your wife is sleeping with the jester. And that everybody
0: just backs away from the eunuch at that point, just (laughs) (laughs) sells them out.
1: Yeah, grind to a halt record record scratch kind of moment, Mm -hmm. and yeah, Richard gets a little wistful and decides to just go off. Party's over, and Gareth kill the kill the eunuch. So yeah, similar to (laughs) the executions are already there,
0: and they go back to their original execution (laughs) music.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) very good. Yeah, it's a fun episode. It's a it's a good one. yeah, we can get more into the general appraisal. Yeah. But if you have other thoughts you want to add?
0: No, I mean, once again, this is like, as we said, this is an episodic show that has an overarching serialized season-long story that is episodically broken down. And so, like, this is a great kind of a note. Once again, this is all about Galvant's journey to becoming a true knight, a true hero. And so part of that is he has to learn humility and, you know... And, and you know not being the traditional once again as we talked about in the last episode about traditional masculinity and kind of those traditional males bra- brawler scre- square jawed p- portrayals of who knights are and that type of thing and so in this one we have gallivate learning that okay maybe my traditional views of what a knight and a squire are and kind of this kind of Gaston LaFue partnership we've had going on here with Sid and Gallivant. Oh, maybe that's not the way really I should be treating my squire because, you know, he could be spitting into my goblets all the time.
1: That he probably you know. is.
0: <laughs> and he probably yeah. is. You know, so that's one of those things there where like, this is, a, once again, this is a great kind of, once again, we're building Gallivant up as he is going on this hero's journey of, he has to learn these lessons to become a truly good hero. Just as Richard is kind of, go, is thematically also going through a bit of an evolution here where he is, you know, like uh, he sees that he did wrong. He, but because he is the ruler, he's not going to admit he did wrong, but he's going to try and find a diplomatic solution to try and ease the tensions of the starving population because he's burned all their crops and left and left them a very funny note of ha 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 like have fun starving that type of thing there when they were invading the the country for this jewel you know so once again it's it's richard learning you know like how to be a decent king which means you know people are like 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 just like trying to be a good leader you know, trying to throw a party when you've done something wrong, like trying to make amends, even though it goes horribly wrong, you know, but like, yeah. he's trying, it's showing once again, that like, once again, Richard and Galavan are on this similar journey of, you know, they start off one way. And as these storylines progress, they're going to be evolving as people. And, you know, there's gonna be some stumbling blocks along the way. And, you know, King Richard still kills off the eunuch for what he says, but, you know, he he made some strides he's getting there you know <laughs> slowly but surely he's getting to be what he, he's going to be a better ruler so yeah i mean once again this is a fun part of like this kind of being like a trilogy of episodes with this original writer director pairing here of chris and dan and you definitely can see what they were trying to do of really lining up the parallels of richard and galvin of ah, see these guys aren't too different you know maybe we'll pair them up next season for for for, mm-hmm. for, for some adventures of their own you know, so like you're clearly you're seeing that there, are, once again, it's taking the traditional medieval Arthurian storytelling and then ratcheting up a bit to get more into the Monty Python realm, but still giving it a three dimensional twist. But I do agree with you that this episode, because, because this episode is only 20, 22 minutes, it does feel sometimes some storylines do get wrapped up rather quickly, kind of like Schmigadoon. I, I commented on our last <laughs> season when we did Schmigadoon. Well, some of these like some of these episodes should have been much longer to give more depth and even more drama and more story to be had. Like you could have easily made this into a 40-minute episode and given some real conflict between Sid and his parents as he's trying to own up to his truth, you know? Like, but once again, because we're 22 minutes and we're kind of moving the story along, we do have to kind of shave off some of the deeper side like side character storylines here that like Sid was going on, you know. So Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, Do you get there we into go. Our celebrity cameos. Well, yes. Well, first off, let's talk about kind of our last main core member of the show. We've talked about Izzy and Gal. Right. We've talked about King Richard and Madeline. We've now talked about Gareth. And of course, the last lead or main actor of the show is none other than Sid, the Squire, played by Luke Youngblood. Mm hmm. So Ryan, what are your thoughts on Sid the Squire? Or Sidney, as we find out his full name is.
1: Yes. Sid's fun. Like, everyone's fun in this show. It's just such a delightful ensemble cast we have. And Sid really does round it out. He's just kind of just like plucky Jimmy Olsen type, (laughs) you know, young boy sidekick. Who's kind of always game for anything. And, you know, maybe a bit of a simpleton, but he means well and his heart Mm -hmm. is in the right place. and it's funny i feel like i said this about multiple characters in this show but he also feels like the beating heart of the show everybody's the beating heart of this show it's just a whole bunch of yeah. beating hearts and i think this episode does a really good job of you know <laughs> we're not going to belabor his backstory because this never comes up again to my recollection that no. he comes from this village where he's like the hometown hero and his parents are very jewish <laughs> but he you know, it it does kind of, mm-hmm. it does something that I think, you know, this episode is sort of just a textbook example of is yeah. when you have an episodic story with a kind of five man band type cast of characters, you want to make sure each one of them gets an episode that like, so what's yeah. your deal? And yeah. this is very much that episode mm-hmm. for Sid. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. fun. It really, I think does a good job of introducing who he is in a way that comments both on him as a person and the role of a squire like who are the people who take on this job and what exactly is it like is he a butler is he a sidekick <laughs> is he a friend is the alfred a, to,
0: to, to Galvan's batman
1: yeah, while well, also being the Jimmy Olsen to Superman, which exactly. is, uh, you know, a kind of like interesting dynamic to pair those two types of role yes. one that's like the the wise <laughs> helper who you couldn't function without me, but also I'm the plucky kid who looks up to you. So yes. yeah, it, it really works. And, you know, so it's okay. great
0: it is great i mean i love that we're gonna get set up this running joke that he never gets a line in a song as we find out <laughs> uh, as we get into next season at the beginning of maybe he'll finally get a line or a song of his own because like even in this episode there's a song about him and oi what and I, yep. he actually doesn't sing in it you know we've heard him sing briefly in hero's journey like but he once again it's, it's like side, it's, it's like side comments or like little things in like a choral setting so I mean once again but like Luke does such a good job as you said playing like he has such a great smile like he has always got this really <laughs> big bright smile about him that clearly you know like he thoroughly enjoys being Gallivant's like uh, buddy like I, 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 why, why else would he take a job as a squire when like as you see in the beginning of, of, the, of the show after Madalena ditches Galavant that clearly he is depressed and is drinking his days away, but Sid's still there, being his but like, being his plucky sidekick, trying to get him up every day. I mean, there's also is a little bit of like, a yeah. LaFue Gaston part of but there's some like there were some more physical, demeaning moments for poor Sid, where like you see him like bathing Galavan and kind of just some physical comedy there, where like clearly they, they do have a bit of a back and forth with each other. It's just a lot of fun, and then we well, also get out with Gareth for and- the next season as well. Yeah, and and like it's interesting because in the very first episode
1: there's like a funny Sid line, Sid doesn't have a major presence in that episode yeah. but when Galvan's just like, Sid, fetch me another drink or something, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Sid says like, when he asks me to fetch things aren't my favorite part, and then he, like, <laughs> his, his smile, but then his smile is yes. like, okay, that was clearly sarcasm, and yes. I, I feel like there's a bit of a back and forth with the writers of this show of how enthusiastic is Sid for yeah. the role he has or yes. how much is he just like, well, Squawk gets a living kind of very much like yeah. the various animals from the Flintstones. But yeah, it's and it's mm-hmm. funny that these three episodes were all written by Dan Vogelman specifically yeah. that it, I already see there being a bit of a tug and pull of what, how does Sid feel about this? Is he happy? Yeah. And I think we kind of get this interesting heart to heart between him and Galavant at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Where, like, they we kind of get back, not through a flashback, but just through a conversation of, yeah. you know, when Galvan hired him, that there were other people who put impressive things on their resumes, which it's funny to even think that submitting a resume to a knight to be his squire. <laughs> um, but, very yeah. Princess
0: Bride. Very, very much yes. a Princess Bride concept of, let's <laughs> take a modern element and
1: medievalize it. Yeah, very much so. So, yeah, and, you know, we kind of, like, learned that, yeah, he wasn't trying to be impressive. Mm -hmm. He just was being himself, and that's what we like about him. But Mm -hmm. in that same conversation, like, when Galvan says, do you know why I hired you? He says, I assumed you lost a bet, because he has this sort of (laughs) self-deprecating streak that even though he's basically the quarterback of his hometown, who went on to big, great things, he knows that's a lie. And that Mm -hmm. makes him insecure that he hasn't really earned the greatness that... Even by the end of season two, we still see him striving for. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's it really works. He's a well-rounded character who could have yeah. just easily been a very
0: one-dimensional sidekick. Once again, the show does a great job of taking those one-dimensional side characters or, or, or kind of two-dimensional traditional fairy tale roles and ratchets it up a bit and makes them into three-dimensional kind of spoof characters that they're going to comment on and be very well-rounded. So it becomes a lot of fun. So. Definitely, he'll be a character who who, he'll always get a good little sideline in there. And he gets to be the one that spoils the whole second season for us in that opening song. (laughs) So, you know, it's a lot of fun. But he has two parents in this. Very un-Disney-like, because usually Disney kills off one of the parents before we even meet them. But this one we get two. So we get his, as I say, his adoptive parents, who are played by Faith Prince, who is a Tony Award-winning actress. And Michael Brandon, who is like a stage, film, long-running actor who started all the way back in 1967, so he's a very well-known character actor as well. So you know the two of them playing Sid's parents. What did you think of, of them? Because once again, this is like another fun John Stamos-style cameo where you know they're going to show up. They're going to have a. They're going to have a lot of just. the um, uh, what I'm looking for. Not not debauchery, but just kind of fun, like, comedical side winks to the audience, that type of, you know, they're going to be big, they're going to be a bit broad, they're going to be a bit wild, wily, you know. Yeah, this
1: whole first season is very much a travelogue of which celebrities are we going to run into this week. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's, uh, they do a great job, like, for the most part, the characters they play are basically... You know, speaking of one-dimensional side characters, they're very much just stereotype of overbearing Jewish parents. And that's yep. what, what this whole, like, we'll talk about the songs in a minute, but the Oy what a Night is very much just, yep, this is it. Yes. We're just doing, yep, we're super Jewish. That's kind of our whole character trait. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're clearly having fun with it. They do mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. The, you know, this they do the shtick well, even if it is yeah. a very much a paper thin a type of one-dimensional yeah. stereotype. And yeah, like, you know, they bring the sinking chops, they bring the kind of acting Mm -hmm. to it, this gravitas of, we don't really have a lot of older cast members, at least that we've Mm -hmm. met to this point. So seeing someone, like, or two people from a previous generation, as you said, who haven't been killed off despite these fairy tales typically (laughs) having that, that, yeah, they bring just this fun energy Mm -hmm. and it allows, you know, this coming out type storyline, not Mm -hmm. in terms of queerness, but in terms of letting your parents know that you're not the person that they thought you were or that you were going to be and yeah it it really does uh, help the, the presence they bring to that uh it, it's funny i feel bad for michael brandon here but when he first showed up on screen i thought oh hey it's henry winkler and <laughs> it like he's still great apologies yeah. michael Brandon, that i had a brief moment of thinking you were the fawns but they do kind of look similar they do or, look very I, similar yeah <laughs> i could so, see but,
0: that happening
1: yeah but no they're both very good in this and yeah. shout outs to them
0: both yes i mean yeah i mean once again like as you said very stereotypical jewish parent stereotype here that we're playing into i mean just faith prince reading on the line honey you have me at shalom <laughs> like it's like okay we're definitely given the direction of go big go broad like you are not gonna hold back on this Caricature at all, and just have a blast with it. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's just they went for it and they owned it. And you know, right away, the minute you see them, it's like, okay, I now know, I know very quickly how Sid grew up. It's kind of like when you watch Frank, Frank and Estelle Costanza and Seinfeld. (laughs) The minute you see them and you hear them talk, it's like, okay, I know exactly how George grew up and how he became George. Yeah, and it's the same thing with this. It's like, okay perfect casting here of these two kind of orbearing Jewish parents and it's like okay we we'll can see why Sid would talk himself up to such an extent to live up to this kind of expectation that was laid out for him and I think it's also great that they kind of in a roundabout way address the fact that you know like like they didn't hide the fact that Luke Youngblood is a BIPOC performer including Faith Prince and Michael Brandon are not <laughs> And so they own that up and give a beautiful concept of they just adopted a child. Doesn't matter who it was, they just adopted a child. I guess like the Disney
1: fairy tale sense that you were saying. I guess his parents probably are dead, even though there's like both parents are never. never (laughs) They were addressed, but his two adopted parents are doing just fine, which works
0: out. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, once again, it's just once again, it's showing a happy storyline of adoptive parents and everybody being happy. So you know, they just have fun with it, and they're just having a grand. Old time with that, with their big song of Oi, What a Night, which we'll get into momentarily. But like, you can just tell like Faith Prince and Michael Braden are just, you know, hamming it up on screen. Like they're in for maybe 10 minutes of the whole episode. Mm -hmm. Like not, maybe not even 10, maybe eight, because it's like a 22 minute episode and like they're in, they're out. But like, once again, they set up exactly who Sid is. They give him a good little introductory story arc of, in these first four episodes, we get introduced to all all, of our whole group of six are our, our core six characters that we have and this is who Sid is this is who this is how he grew up this is kind of I mean I would have loved if we got, got, got a more like I don't know like maybe Yiddish words coming out of Sid like throughout the show would be like grouping yeah. this Jewish community like I don't know maybe this could be there of just are we bringing this back more because it's so sad that we get this once and never go back to this particular area but, again. And that's it's
1: it's funny because when mm-hmm. the thought that just occurred to me when you were saying similar to like George Costanza and Seinfeld meeting his parents suddenly explains everything about him. Yeah. I don't really feel like that's the case with Sid, that this is mm-hmm. sort of a one-off one episode joke, but then, yeah, we don't really see, mm-hmm. you know, him playing off the, you know, the Jewishness of his upbringing, yeah. the, you know, the influence his mm-hmm. parents have on him. It, this It's a funny mm-hmm. joke to kind of have him, yeah introduced into this community of like yep mm-hmm. this is where i come from because it's unexpected but it's not mm-hmm. like oh this is the logical of course you grew up here this makes sense yeah. the, the original joke wouldn't have worked if that was mm-hmm. the case but then yeah it's True. it is really just a one and done and then we don't mm-hmm. get like the oh yeah right you were raised by jews and that's why you are the way you are as the series goes on mm-hmm. i like and i don't know a part of me would have liked to see more playing with that that was you I, are I would introduced too. to this I, backstory I, yeah
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I think it's more just once you see them as a parenting dynamic, it's like, okay, now we get why Sid talked himself up the way he did, which is great for one episode, but it would be great <laughs> to see a much larger roundabout way of writing. Once again, I think you brought this up really well with the character of Sid is kind of this really kind of metamorphic character that depending on who the writer is, or depending on how they're perceiving <laughs> him in the episode will dictate how Sid is. Like in the first episode, so he he was a bit sarcastic. In the second episode, he kind of was there, but not really. Like he kind of was a background member of the trio. Just excited to eat the chicken, <laughs> exactly. The rooster, sorry, exactly. <laughs> Ex- yes, the rooster uh, that he's not going to name because he's going to because he's going to cook it. You know. And then this episode, we get a full background yeah. of him. Once again, it would have been great if we got a, if the writers had been a little bit more consistent with. If Faith Prince and Michael braden are, are your parents, and this is how they acted. How does this play out the rest of the uh, uh, of the show with you as a character? Mm-hmm. Have it now? Maybe no, Maybe now Maybe if they've done a season three with Gareth uh, or sorry Gareth and, and Sid on the road to Saint Madalena, right? Maybe there would have been like a call back there where they're on the road again. They come back into the village again, and something's totally mm-hmm. different happened. Like who knows? Like I don't know. But yeah, I, I do feel this. There there could have been more. This set or could have been more follow it from this great setup of who's of who it comes from you know but there we go what do you say we get into some songs ryan yeah let's do it all right let's do it so the first thing we get is a wonderful recap song of gallivant if you missed last week's show
1: or if you're slightly slow here's what came previously on gallivant Princess Isabella keeps searching for this fellow, the washed-up hero known as Galavan. Now she's gotten him to lend a hand to oust the king who
0: seized her land. But sing, she's working for the king. The trap's about to spring, but that's not everything. Thus far, <laughs> yes, Ryan. Now that we know that the first two episodes aired in a package, what are your thoughts about this kind of? recap did you feel it captured the story elements thus far like did did it actually set it up well it's funny because
1: in addition to it suddenly now making sense that this is the first time you're coming back a week later yes like i still feel like it's not a great recap because it only (laughs) recaps events from episode one and nothing from episode two yeah so when you're watching this episode especially if you're not watching it aired on ABC mm-hmm. if you're just like, you know, pulling it up on streaming, you part of you kind of pauses and wonders, like, was this supposed to be episode two? We're recapping events from episode one, but mention nothing of episode two. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. wait a minute. You have this jarringness of, it would make sense if this was episode two, but then mm-hmm. we're still kind of following, picking up the plot where we left off yeah. without the recap to anything for episode two. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I have mixed feelings about this recap. I like that we get the Gallivant theme main song yeah. again, because, you know, I'll listen to that song <laughs> anytime anybody wants to play it for yeah. me. And with new lyrics now, still sung by mm-hmm. the Jester. Yeah, yeah. I like it. it. I like it as much as I liked it in episode one, because it's basically the same song. Mm-hmm. But I'm still, even with the explanation, I'm still puzzled by why do we have this recap here and why these specific events mm-hmm. being the ones we choose to highlight. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and we, I-, I don't... So my recollection, okay. we don't ever get this again. Do we like a, a recap song aside from the beginning of episode two? Sorry, season mm-hmm. two, episode one, where we need to really ground ourselves in here is where we left off. I, I don't think uh, this was like a recurring thing.
0: Uh, it does come back a few times uh, in season two. They, okay. they, they do have more recaps Okay, uh, so throughout the whole series. I don't know if we'll get another one this season, but for sure we get at least one or two next season as well. mm
1: <laughs> Yeah, because like even if you are watching this one week later from when you watched episode one originally air, like not that much time has passed that I think the recap is necessary. Especially since this episode does not play with the big kind of like cloak and dagger—is he's going to betray Gallivant main Mm. plot points? And that seems to me to be the thing that maybe the audience needs a reminder of. But this is kind of. Bottle episode is sort of the wrong word for it, but the, you know, go getting sequestered off into Sid's yeah. village and seeing his family does not advance the plot very much. It advances mm-hmm. Gallivant's personal character growth. Yeah. And, you know, the Richard plotline, he learns new information about his wife's infidelity. That's gonna <laughs> have consequences in the next episode. Yeah. But for the most part, this episode is pretty self-contained. And I don't know, that doesn't strike me as the one that really needs, just so you know, this
0: is what's happening. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. Like it is weird that we don't get anything of episode 2 that it's all just episode 1 and oh, okay, now we're already on to episode 2 or like episode 3 and oh yeah, okay, so you missed episode 2 with John Stamos. Oh well. You know, we're not going to bring him, we're not going to mention him again. even though he does come back for a brief cameo next season, you know. Yeah. It's one of those things that if you miss the second episode and only watch the first episode and the third episode, then you'll never get that cameo. In the next season, so yeah, it is weird. I, I would have loved to. I mean, if I mean, if, if you're going to do a recap, then maybe make put a line in there about you know Gallivant got his mojo back by 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 winning it just, but then you see the joust is you know not really adjusted. Both fall off their horse, and you know he wins by he, he wins kind of by default by standing up. You know, but there we go. But the- yeah.
1: At the end of the day though, I'd say the reason why it doesn't include those details mm. from episode two is because they're not necess- they're definitely not necessary no. for understanding no. the main plot, let alone the plot of this episode. And I think part of what this like recap theme mm. song does is it reifies the inconsequentialness of the episodic nature <laughs> of the show on a week-to-week yes. basis. That there is, you know, the important things you need to know that we're all set up in episode one, but until we get to the second last episode, you know, yeah. <laughs> caution to the wind, it, yeah. it we're basically, yeah, just, you know, these are the fun adventures they have along the way. But yeah. if you missed one, and remember, this is pre-streaming when the right. show aired in 2015, or maybe streaming was just getting started, but this was, mm-hmm. you know, airing on ABC with no expectation that everything will eventually go to streaming that we have now that yeah it's they probably you know had to temper each episode that we can't reveal Mm -hmm. too much big plot stuff because there is a chance that people won't catch this one and we don't want Mm -hmm. to alienate them if they come back next week and feel lost so and that's kind of what these recap
0: yeah yeah well i I, I got you to say like the opening lines of the reprise are all about like in case you missed it or you know you've been under a rock or you know like like they do make reference to kind of the weekly like watch on tv nature of it like, versus, like, the streaming nature that we would get nowadays. Well, yeah, it's funny, because when shows have these types of mm-hmm.
1: previously on recaps built into their original airing, streaming just allows you to skip that altogether <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, it, it just is incompatible with the model of media consumption that we've all now become accustomed to. But, yeah. you know, 2015 isn't that long ago, but it was still vastly different, mm-hmm. at least in terms of the, the types of things that... You know we're not being released to just Netflix all in one lump sum, and of course mm-hmm. you're gonna binge it all in one weekend.
0: That's right. That's right. Okay, next song though, Ryan is of course, Oi! What a night! Oi! What a night! Gather around you peasants! Look who's graced us with his presence! What a hero! What a night! night. The kids on fire with a big fuck up, the squire and the little chick's a wench. Uh, we I mean, you and know, I have talked at nauseam about Fiddler on the Roof, and I mean, this is very much in line with tradition and the high end to life, that type of song. To us
1: and our good fortune, be happy, be healthy all night, and if our good fortune never comes, it's to whatever comes. Bring
0: behind the light. Where it's where it's very klezmer. I think it's a very klezmer yes. kind of Jewish sounding, filled on the roof style song. With you know, you got oys, you got a rabbi, you you got you, yeah, you got the chair lifting. Like it's it, it, uh, doing kind of every traditional Jewish thing you could think of in this song they make reference to right they they even make some references to like circumcisions in there with with izzy and and the women like they are absolutely like just be like do you get where he came from it's a Mm -hmm. jewish village (laughs) yeah you know yeah but it's fun i mean once again it's a fun kind of got to set up the world of this episode and they are in this small village of sid's families so let's get a song in there that will tell you everything you need to know about this town, which is they are obsessed with Sydney and his so-called adventures that he's been telling his parents about. And of course, they have a whole song celebrating him, which ticks Galavant off in the great choreography of Izzy and Gal, where she's like, tell us the story. He's like, no, no. And then <laughs> she stomps on his foot and that gets him into the dance. You know, it's great. It's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, like the, to me, the song, yeah, it's, it's exactly, you know, what you expect. I like that it has, you know, I guess the Frankie Valley sort of gimmick of oh, yeah. what a night, but oh, what a night with a K, and, <laughs> you know, it, it's got the word play down. Yeah, for the most part, the song is just, yep, here's a Jewish thing. Here's another Jewish thing. But it's kind of interesting how, you know, you kind of say that it has this sort of fiddler on the roof vibe, which I think is what they're going for. But it's very much more so a vision of like American Jewish identity than yes. what anything that I would call like old country Anatevka shtetl life, even though it is this supposed to be this kind of isolated uh, Jewish community in medieval Europe, which I guess <laughs> feels like it just more to that, you know, we have, this isn't so much part of the song itself, but like, you know, we have Sid's bar mitzvah <laughs> posted yes. on there and like, it's, you know, he's got his little action figure collection. It's kind of, I think painting this, you know, idea of just like a very kind of a, you know, middle class American type upbringing. And yeah, the, you know, I'm not going to fault it for that. I think it's doing this fun anachronistic thing that the show does so well. Uh, Yeah, but it's funny. I I don't, I see where they're trying to make it fiddlery. I just don't know if it necessarily succeeds at being quite the the pastiche
0: of Fiddler that I think it wants to be. I definitely think it's more just let's evoke. The fiddlers, yeah. the kind of the Jewish sounding. I, I, I mean, the fact there is a lyric of Deedle, didle Deedles <laughs> in there too. I mean, clearly Alan Menken and his, and his co-writer there, who I forget his name at the moment. It's, uh, hold on, I can tell you. It is Alan Menken who wrote the music and lyrics were by... Glenn Slater. Christopher Lerntz. Okay, yeah. Lerntz. i sorry, sorry. Sorry, Lerntz and Menken wrote the music Slater wrote the lyrics. You were right. Hmm. Yeah. So there we go. So, yeah, Slater and Macon, who did a lot of this, clearly were trying to evoke Fiddler. And, as you, and I do agree, it isn't perfectly Fiddler. It's Western Americanized. Yeah. Which, like, Fiddler was written yeah. in
1: America. So, but yes. they kind of, yeah, you know, we, again, we've talked about Fiddler ad nauseum. But- <laughs> But specifically in the episode of The Cup that we did that you've, I think you shared it on before the downbeat, mm-hmm. so it's not questionable to your viewers. The one on yeah. Fiddler's Journey to the Big Screen, That's the documentary, right, yeah. we talked a lot about how, as that documentary argues, that there was this big push for authenticity that mm-hmm. the production of at least the film version was yeah. really prioritizing. Yes. And uh, yeah, and that kind of it, it works because it's almost alien to mm-hmm. American Jews who see this as this is where we come from, but not necessarily mm-hmm. the life we live. We've already been the yeah. product of the modernity that Tevye is fighting yeah. against in yeah. his preservation of tradition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, that's exactly it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, have no, I have nothing more to say. <laughs> oh, no, we can move I'm on just, to the next song then. I'm just going to be. I'm I just, just going to be repetitive. I'm like, let's not do that. Next, we have a kind of Beach Boysy. Beatles style song of Dance Until You Die
1: It's time to face the reaper You're on your way to hell Prepare to kiss this mortal coil goodbye When have the chance you might
0: as well just dance which is a very funny, morbid song, because it's the executioners who have stepped up their music playing and now become this kind of boy band style. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this execution style style song? I like it a lot and because it surprised me in a very fun way because we're
1: introduced to the executioners and specifically the drummer from the executioners, yes. who just does his sort of like death knell yeah. beat that he does on the drum. And that's already a funny enough joke on its yeah. own that, you know, we don't we killed all the musicians and the entertainers, so we're stuck with the executioners and yeah. the type of music they play is very clearly not dance party music but nope. then so that that's already uh, chef's kiss 10 out of 10 joke and then when they start doing this funny dance song that is still on <laughs> theme with death but actually yes. is something you can bop your head and tap your toe to it's it just yeah it's playing a joke upon mm-hmm. a joke and i think yes. this song just does that really well mm-hmm. part of me kind of feels like maybe i i haven't if I, I'd be lying if I said I've listened through like the actual, like there is an album of the songs from this the show, song right? wasn't included. Okay. See, that's, I, I would like, I would kind of wish there was like a, a, a recorded version of this song. <laughs> there is, there, okay. there is a
0: complete series okay. song list that you can album that you can listen to. It's a, so that's, that's what I'm going That with. I have
1: not listened to because the way this song is kind of interrupted You know, Mm -hmm. as we go back and forth between the A and B plot, and we kind of get, like, little fragments version of it, I feel like we're Mm -hmm. missing out on the real Stop the World musical Here is the Song, because we talked in the previous episode about how the, you know, the the song at the end of the last episode was, you know, one that goes back and forth between the two Mm -hmm. plots so that the song never has to be interrupted, even while we're giving equal attention to both plot lines Mm -hmm. but this one we yeah we start the song and then we go back to sid's village and then we come back and we're in the mid song so i feel like we're missing out on the song gets shortchanged a little bit in its own episode which is unfortunate the fact Mm -hmm. that it's not on the main album i think is testament to that
0: yes and i mean i will say choreography wise this reminded me a lot of the adams family musical which once Hmm. again plays with the morbid macabre kind of There's a whole dance sequence where like they name off different like deaths and like it it becomes a bit of a dance. Uh, So you know, and that musical came out in 2010 uh, on Broadway. So this is 2015, so five years later. So this definitely, the show would have been seen. It was popular at the time, and so there's a great kind of joke of oh, we're gonna do some morbid dancing, and then we're also gonna do the bunny hop. So the fact that we kind of have this kind of group, kind of zombie-like dance is a lot of fun. Once again, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a great kind of bait and switch because you meet the executioner and you hear just the da 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 you think, oh, okay, what's... <laughs> like I Clearly, you're you're expecting them to come out and do the same thing where Richard's going to be like, yeah. and now the band! And of course, they come out and just shink, shink, da 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 And it's like, oh, okay, this is going to bomb. And then, oh, no, they actually are a good band. They actually have a second livelihood if they want to get into the death business, you know, so... It's a lot of fun there. So, yeah, I mean, it's a fun song. Is it my favorite on the album? No. But, you know, it, it's a fun kind of background song that's that sets up, once again, Richard just not hitting the mark with his goodwill gesture to, to the people of Valencia. So, yeah. The- All right. So the next song is A Jackass in a Chaos.
1: average knight in armor he's utterly the pits his ego so humongous that his elma barely fits he wears two tons of padding and thinks she's quite the man he's nothing but a jackass in a fancy metal cap a jackass in a can there's nothing worse
0: than that. some high and mighty jackass in a can which is the big moral <coughs> song of the episode so My ryan what do you think of-, of the episode it is my Jeez. favorite song of the, of the episode, too. Right. And it ties back to a Cup of hemlock episode. Cause one of the, because man. one of the performers in it, who is, whose name is Jimmy Johnson, plays one of the squires. And he appeared as Will Parker in our Oklahoma episode that we did with Hugh Jackman. Right. That's great. Good for yes. him. Yes. So, so what are your thoughts yeah. on A Jackass in a Can? Jackass
1: in a Can is just such a silly song that actually has a pretty good point to make. And mm-hmm. I love when things kind of square that circle and say, mm-hmm. you know, you feel like this is going to just be like the fluffy, ha ha, we're going to give the Squires a song, mm-hmm. but it actually is very much where the moral of the episode lies. Mm-hmm. And it is the moment when Gallivant realizes, oh, the, the terrible night they're singing about yes. when, is me. and uh, yeah it really is a big part of his growth even if Mm -hmm. we talked earlier about how these episodes very little of consequence mm-hmm. happens in the plot. We we get to see that this is a moment mm-hmm. where Galavant learns a lesson and will mm-hmm. get to be the best version of himself by the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the song itself is so fun. It's so silly. It's just, I love the kind of class politic dynamic mm-hmm. of, you know, it would be pretty bad to be a jester in this world, but at the same time, they kind of have this feast of fools dynamic where because, you know, nobody suspects anything of us and we are undermined, we do get mm-hmm. to get the best of our the nights we work for we get to mm-hmm. spit in their drinks to the point that if we stop spitting in it they think it tastes wrong so <laughs> we've, we've classically conditioned them so well yeah. And, and yeah the the song is really just a fun burlesque you could say at the night's expense
0: yeah. yes yeah, 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 yeah it's kind of very much a burlesque vaudevillian style song and i mean the four main squires are kenneth collard mark shields edward judge and jimmy johnston who are all kind of the lead pack of squires and i mean once again it's great work play you know you know did you ever hear about the knight who got off his high horse no <laughs> you know like neither like have we and the fact that galvin gets into the song like he yeah. gets a uh, he gets full on into the dancing and then he goes oh crap it's me i'm the jackass in the can <laughs> like this is my one time where i'm not and this is what goes on this is probably how sid is feeling a lot of the time <laughs> behind my back
1: it's very much an undercover boss type situation yes under the disguise of a squire he gets to hear what not so much you know they think of him specifically Mm -hmm. but of the position that he represents and he is very much a, a textbook example
0: of it exactly and i mean like it just starts off once again the lyrics that slater gives like for example your average knight in armor he's utterly the pits his ego is enormous And his helmet barely fits. He wears two tons of padding and thinks he's quite the man. He's nothing but a jackass in a fancy metal can. Like, not (laughs) right there says it all about about, about who these people are, what they're feeling, and kind of, once again, poking holes in this chivalrous image we have as a a society of who knights were. I mean, I do work at Medieval Times, so I do work around a lot of knights. Not real knights. not real knights. <laughs> to clarify but, the difference, yes. yes, not real knights. Actors who play who play knights, but they. One of the things that we have is the chivalry and action program, which is our school educational program, which focuses on the whole concept of the knights' code of chivalry. But we kind of leave out why it was created, which is kind of you know because the knights were kind of the unruly brutes of their day. They were a bit bullyish. Like, uh, I, I, they weren't all uh, like Arthur's and Lancelots who were these virtuous men who you know wandered around and saved people it's more it, they were brutes like they were they, like, uh, it's more like the Hound or the Mountain in Game of Thrones who were there to terrorize and keep the people in line by any means necessary for the royal family you know so and the fact that there actually is a song in Camelot called Bye on Goodness Fi on Goodness Bye on Goodness, bye. Bye
1: on goodness bye. Eight years of kindness to your neighbor. Making sure that the meek are treated well. Eight years of philanthropic labor. Daddy down, Derry dead. is hell. Oh, my
0: goodness, why? Why, why, why? 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 all about the knights revolting against Arthur's, you know, kind of domestic or uh, domesticity he's created by this rule of the land of, you know, protect the like 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 might for good you know might for right so the fact we kind of get a a parody version song of that of the squires going oh yeah you know those knights who are so chivalrous ha idiots they are they're they're jackasses in a can you know once again like it's a lot of fun so i thoroughly enjoyed the song it's by far my favorite song of the episode followed by oi what a night which is my second favorite but yeah, and I think that's it for our songs for this episode. I
1: feel like that was the song. Yeah, every
0: episode gets like
1: two to four solid songs. And Correct. That's I feel like we haven't talked about this enough mm-hmm. over the course of these first three episodes. But mm-hmm. like the work that Megan and his team did on this show, just mm-hmm. like hammering out banger after banger, like you kind of expect mm-hmm. eventually they're going to stop being good. And to my recollection, that never happens. They, they hit their they mark did every time. such a great time. job. Yeah.
0: It's a true testament to Megan and his excellent writing that he does well
1: and like when you think about it, like i know maybe these songs as good as they aren't necessarily like full caliber of like what you would see in a broadway stage show yes. or even a disney movie but they're writing like quantity over quality they are putting yes. out so many of them like yes. two to four episodes or two to four songs per episode mm-hmm. in like an eight episode season mm-hmm. and yeah maybe you know some of them are a little repetitive or they kind of like mm-hmm. you know deal with the same thing but it's really the fact that they're as good as they are when being put out of that quantity is just yeah. a, a bit of a marvel in its own right
0: yeah i mean for me like my big thing with this is i mean i would love a lot of these songs to be a bit longer like we have to remember this was a 22 minute sitcom format so the songs are only like one and a half to two two and a half minutes in length, and most Broadway songs are a bit longer than that. They usually get closer to the three-minute, three-and-a-half-minute mark when all is said and done. So, you know, like, they're working on a very reduced time thing that, like, I'm sure we could have extended some of the songs out a bit more and done a bit more or had, like, a longer dance break or something that would make them a bit more showy. But overall, even you know, it's, it, like, like, you're right. Like, like, there definitely is quality in quantity here. Like, <laughs> I, like, I've yet to have a song where I'm like, oh. Make it until you missed your mark on this one. This one, like, they just keep hitting it. Like, uh, they come in, they they hit the home run, and they get out. So, you know, it's a lot of fun with what they give us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love it. Ryan, yeah. great. how do you feel this episode ranked? If, it, if you were to rank the first three episodes, because they were all done by the same writer-director partnership, how would you rank them, and how do you feel this episode ties into the rest of the season?
1: Right. Okay, we now have enough of them under our belt that I think we can do an actual ranking. Whereas we yes. just one mm-hmm. and two in the previous episodes, yeah. it's sort of hard to. Yeah, honestly, I think if I am ranking them, this would be my least favorite of the three mm. so far. It, nothing against it; it's a yeah. solid episode. It is kind of has that bodily feel to it that it really mm. isn't yeah. advancing the plot very much. I think if I am ranking them, it would probably actually be one, two, and three in that order mm. so far. But and yeah, I think you know, things we've talked about in the previous episodes. One is just this really intriguing setup that throws you some pretty big Mm -hmm. curveballs pretty early right out of the Mm -hmm. gate, and that's impressive Mm -hmm. for what it does and how it sets up the status Mm -hmm. quo of the show, Mm -hmm. or or at least the main premise of the show. Mm -hmm. Then episode two does a good job setting up the status quo of, Mm -hmm. okay, here's our sort of adventure of the week format Mm -hmm. here, and the the way that it handles the, putting Mm -hmm. the A and B plot in conversation. This one, while the basic plot mechanics in a sort of cosmetic sense is clear how they're related to each other. I don't think it has the same tightness of these two plot lines are Mm. really thematically in dialogue with each other. The fact that they both have a ball, seems to be where it begins and ends, but like (laughs) you can maybe make an argument that both Gallivant and Richard learned that, you know, people maybe are just pretending to be nice to them and they got to loosen that up. Like there's something there, but for the most part, Sid learning to be true to himself really has no echo in the Richard plotline. And it's kind of losing a bit of the thread of the tight parallels that we saw, at least in the previous episode. So mm. it's still good. I like it a lot. But if I'm ranking them, I think so far this one, yeah, is third out of three.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would, I mean, as much as I think the second episode also kind of feels a bit... Bodily and doesn't quite work. I do think there, there's definitely some. I definitely think you could take this episode out and minus the big revelation that Richard has about Madalena's infidelity, like the rest of this episode doesn't quite feel as necessary to the overall arc of the story. I feel like you could have maybe get gotten Sid conversation with Galvin somewhere in that second episode if it was a bit longer. But I feel because we're on a 22 minute format, they kind of took what episode two and three could have been under one thing where you could have made it like, Oh, the festival and the tournaments being held in Sid's home village. And mm-hmm. Galvan's got to get back into shape before the tournament in town. And somehow they got a trick. Like Sid's parents had been thinking that it's Sid on the horse, not Galvan. Like you could have taken episode two and three, and made them into one 40 minute storyline. You know, I, I feel like because it was only 20 minutes, they kind of took, the episodes have kind of broke them out a bit more and gave them a bit bit of a filler here and there to kind of make them into the two parts versus maybe yeah. one bigger episode that could have had both storylines kind of working together in a way. I don't know. Yeah, um,
1: I think filler is a yeah. good word for how mm-hmm. this episode feels. And I think yeah. that's a better word than bottle episode, which isn't yes. quite technically accurate. But yeah, it is very much, okay, we, got, we have eight episodes to kill. Hey, mm-hmm. we haven't really mm-hmm. dove into, Deep into one of our characters yet. Let's give him an episode that's kind of about who are you. And, you know, it sort of marches in place while we learn a bit about Sid. And ultimately, there are things we learn about Sid that don't pay off or have meaningful echoes or resonances in the later episodes. So I think that's maybe why I'm a little more lukewarm on this one, Mm -hmm. but it's still fun. And it's exactly, you know, I don't think we need to judge the episode's merit as episodes based on how well they advance the plot, necessarily. I know I kind of commented on the fact that this one doesn't, but at the same time, it does have what we could call a skippable vibe to it. Even like the big revelation at the end with Richard finding out that Madeline has been cheating on him, it's so, he's been so oblivious for these episodes that if we just started the next episode exactly how it does start with him being like, oh, she's cheating on me, Mm -hmm. that... You know, I don't think we even need to have it told to see that it was told to him because it's pretty in his face that he could have just found out easily on his own terms. So, yeah, this one really is kind of not adding much to the whole doesn't mean it's Mm -hmm. not a fun time for, you know, 22 minutes for one weekend of the show, which, as we've just discussed, isn't even the whole week because the other episode that comes after it is immediately paired. So you're you are kind of having you know, still individual 22 minute units, but over the course of the, the whole hour.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see what comes next. I mean, our next episode is called Comedy uh, Gold. Comedy Gold. Comedy Gold. Okay. Which is going to be a lot of fun. Well, that would be a Richard heavy episode. And yeah, I mean, Ryan. Before we go, give us that classic Ryan Barakovich send off. We are now not, our audience is now not all coming to know and love, just like our, yeah. like our, our classic hemlock, to people do.
1: Yeah, so no need trying to follow me personally Mm -hmm. on social media. I don't really post much there. Mm -hmm. But if you like me and want to hear me talk about theater, you can follow Cup of Hemlock Theater, the other podcast YouTube series that Mac and I and Mm -hmm. others do together. So yeah, you can follow that. It's at COH Theater on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm -hmm. It's Cup of Hemlock Theater on YouTube. Cup Mm -hmm. of Hemlock Theater podcast on all the podcast places tune in there. We cover a lot of Toronto based theater and as well as things on streaming platforms and mm-hmm. artist interviews, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Perfect. I mean, yeah, you can find, follow me at Mackenzie on our social media platforms. So keep watching, keep listening, and we will see you all in the next, next episode where Ron and I will explore what does make comedy gold. So mm-hmm. there we go. Thanks everybody. Have a great week, everybody. And oi, what a night! Why what a night. exactly? Bye. bye, 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 bye.